0: Hey friends and fam, it's John and it's time for the Cast for Monday, October 24th. What's going on? How are ya? Thank you for joining me yet again. Hope you've had a great week. Mine has been interesting to say the least. Let me fill you in. Just came back yesterday from a camping trip with a buddy of mine. It was supposed to be a two-night camping trip, but we ended up calling it short. Left and came home early because... Man, is it ever cold at night. (laughs) It's cold. And also, uh, man, we didn't have a good spot to set up our tent. And we were just like on this really, really hard spot that was just so hard to get comfortable on. I basically didn't sleep all night long and was just shifting side to side to get somewhat um, comfortable and just never happened. I think I might have slept like maybe five minutes at a time here and there. throughout the night, but, uh, it was, it was just bad. (laughs) Anyways, let's, let's start from the beginning. Um, maybe just before the camping trip earlier this week had a fairly decent week with regards to going to jujitsu. I went three days in a row, uh, two of the days were actual classes. One of them was a, the other one was an open mat day. So just rolling around with no lesson and it's really good. I've I went. I usually only go twice, and this time I went three days in a row because I feel like I'm reaching this momentum where I'm uh, I'm reaching this moment where I'm gaining a lot of momentum and I'm able to see things a little bit better in terms of like what's going on as we're rolling. And I've been successful at uh, doing or at being able to get finishes or submissions on my opponents which is, uh, pretty rare for me. Usually I'm able to get takedowns and, you know, get people down onto the mat, stay on top of them, but unable to get an actual submission in. And recently I've been just a lot more successful with that, getting arm bars here and there and Kimuras and such. So yeah, it's been really exciting, obviously with the excitement and I want to keep the momentum going and, and, you know, don't waste a lot of time, uh, no, well, not waste, but don't spend a lot of time not going so that uh, all the experience is fresh in my mind and I can build off of it. So that's been great, although it's been really hard on the body to go three days in a row like my shoulders were cooked, which is affecting my uh, handstands, which, by the way, quick check in with the uh, Sober October. It's been going pretty well. I've got a week to go now and, you know, I'm not missing any of the substances that I'm staying away from for the month. It was maybe a little bit hard for the first week, but it's uh, a lot easier after that. And with regards to the handstands themselves, I've been doing one minute of handstanding every day, except for a couple of days I missed it, but I try to make it up by doing extra on the following days. And so my handstand has gotten uh, a lot more stable. I'm definitely, if I use the wall, I can come off the wall and, hold a handstand for about 10 seconds or so, uh, on a regular basis, which is nice. It's a lot better than what I started out this month. So the sober October has been going pretty well with a couple of hiccups here and there with, uh, kind of forgetting to do the handstands. But other than that, I have been staying sober, which is not been that hard on, quite honestly. Alcohol is not that great of a drug. Uh, yeah, I think mostly it's pretty much a poison except for, you know, for some people, it can be a good relaxation tool if used appropriately, if not overused. And, you know, the the uh, decrease in stress that people feel from using alcohol can be beneficial, I think, uh, when used at the right dose. Of course, the dose makes the poison. In all cases, like just like anything you consume, there's a, an adequate amount, there's a low amount that won't do anything. And there's too much, of course, as well. So that applies to alcohol as well. Anyways, uh, moving on later in the week on Friday was the day that I went up to see my buddy. And then the two of us drove up to this place called High Falls. Um, Let me look up where it is. Yeah, it's about a 40 minute drive north of Peterborough. And uh, just a little bit north of Upper Stony Lake, we um, usually hike up to the High Falls. But this time around, we—my uh, buddy has a canoe, and you can canoe right up to the falls. And then there's a lot of cool campsites right there. So, and this is on Crown Land, so you don't even need any uh, like what is what are they called the permits or anything for, for camping. You just show up and do it, which is great. So I go to my buddy's house in the, in the morning, late morning, I think I got there around 11 or so. We packed this car with our stuff with a canoe and, um, we drove up to the entrance, which uh, if you, it's Eels Creek entrance off of, uh, North, Northeast Bay road. And so we get there and <laughs> this is funny. As we're unloading our stuff, we unload the canoe and my buddy realizes that he forgot the paddles. <laughs> it's like, what? You forgot the paddles? What are you talking about? So we're just like, okay, what do we do? We could still hike in, but, uh, you know, we brought the canoe, so it would be a shame not to use it. So I look up on my phone if there's an outfitters nearby that we could rent the paddles from and, On my phone, it shows up there's an Outfitters 10 minutes away. So we're like, all right, let's drive to it and grab some paddles. We drive 10 minutes and we get to the location on my phone where it says there's an Outfitters and there's nothing there. (laughs) Like, what the hell is going on? I look up another place by the same name. I call them. They actually um, were open. They answer the phone. They do have paddles and I asked them why the other place with the same name didn't exist. They're like, yeah, that's just, um, it's the same address, but slightly different. For some reason it shows up in the wrong spot. It happens all the time with other people. Sorry. So then my body tells me that this other place is right next to where he lives. So we may as well just go back to his house and grab the paddles. <laughs> so a little bit of time wasted. We go back to his place, grab the paddles, come back to the same spot. We, uh, uh, finally get set up get our canoe set up with all our stuff start paddling to the high falls we got there still like i think by the time we got there and set up our campsite we must have been like three o'clock or so then we start uh, gathering a bunch of wood we uh you know going to the i uh, luckily we both brought uh hatchets i also brought a little saw we go exploring into the forest and we found uh, a tree that had fallen over that was pretty much dead. So we start like cutting off the branches uh, and then eventually start, cutting. it was not a, that big of a tree, eventually start cutting the, up the tree as well and dragging the whole thing back to our campsite. And we got a ton of wood. I thought it was a ton of wood. <laughs> I mean, when we piled it up, it was, it was a lot. And so it seemed like we were ready. For the night, like the weather was going to be great, or so I thought. You know, it was going to be in the mid-teens for Friday and uh, even into the high teens for Saturday. So we're like, "Oh, we got so lucky!" But even though during the day it was, uh, <laughs> it was going to be warm in the nighttime. You know, it still gets freaking cold. And so we, around four o'clock, we did a little bit of exploring actually, uh, going around the the falls themselves checking them out and then not far away from the falls there's actually like a crevice that is pretty cool you can walk into the crevice and there's actually a hole that's just narrow enough for me and my buddy to fit in and there's like actually a pretty cool cave that you can go inside of so we did that as well really neat had a lot of fun kind of exploring that but by uh like four or five in the afternoon it was starting to get cool down, not that cold yet, but we're like, all right, let's get the fire going. And I actually had brought a camp stove, but and I was planning on uh, buying a, like a propane butane tank uh, for the camp stove for um, for f- cooking food and stuff. But we were supposed to pick that up on the way, and we totally forgot. <laughs> so my buddy forgot the paddles, I forgot the the fuel for cooking. <laughs> Good times. But the, honestly, the, the fire was, or at least the wood we got for the fire was more than enough for all for all our cooking needs. And um, luckily, by the uh, fire pit, somebody had left a, a grate for cooking. So that was very good and useful for when we did do some cooking. But as I said, it was cooling down and we were like, okay, let's get some fire going. And man, it cooled down quickly and we were just like, all right, let's keep the fire going as long as we can. And we ran, we didn't run out of the firewood, but we came close to running out of the firewood by like from five till 10 in the evening. We were just kind of sitting around doing some cooking, you know, chit-chatting as one does around the fire, telling stories, catching up, having a good time, but definitely feeling the cold air, sneaking up on us and by I think 10 in the evening we used up all the wood we'd collected and we're like all right time to get into the tent and (laughs) go to sleep Uh, before we got into the tent actually uh, it had gotten dark and we had a nice clear night no moon in the sky and we saw a beautiful uh, sky with stars the Milky Way the whole thing it was amazing just wonderful to to stare at and just to see you know get living in the city you don't get to see that very often at all of course so or at all not very often just just at all period you don't get to see the beautiful sky with the milky way in it and so it was a nice treat to be able to see that but the cold did not let us enjoy that for very long so we get in the tent and the spot we'd set up the tent seemed like it was a good spot nice grassy spot fairly even no big rocks protruding But then, you know, we, we get set up and, or we, we go lie down in our, in the tent in our sleeping bags. And it is a hard goddamn surface that we are sleeping on. (laughs) And no matter how much I like turn side to side and, you know, fidgeted, it, it never got any softer. It never got any more comfortable (laughs) and it just continued to get colder and colder and, Uh, luckily one thing that saved me is I brought this sweet winter hat that my wife's made for me and it's got like beaver fur lined on the inside on the, like, it's nice. It's like a nice winter hat with ear flaps and everything. And so that really helped keep my, uh, head warm. But even though like most of my body was warm and my ears were staying warm, thanks to the hat, I realized my nose, my (laughs) nose was still getting so cold that it was actually bothering me. (laughs) And then at some point in the night, as I'm like, you know, trying to fall asleep, but unable to, uh, the hat kind of twisted on my face and the ear flap covered my nose. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is what I've been, should have been doing from the start. (laughs) Thank goodness for this. Like the ear flap covered my nose and that, that really saved me. (laughs) Still didn't really get much sleep, but was able to at least, uh, stay a bit warmer. My body was having a way harder time than me even, he was just so uncomfortable that like every once in a while he was just like leaving the tent and then realizing that's even even colder outside the tent than coming back. <laughs> and so neither, of us, neither one of us got any real good sleep. Then uh, I noticed he, he left the tent one more time. And because I had my hat covering my face and covering my nose, to me like everything was dark, I couldn't tell if the light was coming up. So, and I was too afraid to check the clock on my phone to be like, is it morning yet? I just didn't want to check because I was, didn't want to be disappointed. Then I heard him like chopping wood when he left the, um, when he left the tent. So I was like, it must be morning now. So I, I checked the uh, clock on my phone. It was seven o'clock. I was like, oh, thank God it's morning. I didn't get up yet though. Cause I was pretty tired still given the fact that I hadn't slept at all. So, um, since my buddy had left, he had left a sleeping bag. So I'm like, all right. I'm just going to grab his sleeping bag and put that under me for a little bit of soft surface <laughs> to get a little bit of extra rest. So I did that, rested another half hour, then got out of the tent, went to say hello to him. Before I before I even got a chance to say hello, my buddy's like, "We're cutting the trip short, man. We're we're done. Let's let's go home tonight today." <laughs> and you know, I I couldn't say anything. I, I wasn't thinking, thinking that I was going to say that, but when he said it, I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that idea. (laughs) So, uh, freaking tired and disheveled. We collected all all our stuff, canoed back to where we parked the car and drove back to my buddy's place. (laughs) Um, I was so tired that like, I was like, I can't even drive back home yet, so we chilled at his house for a little bit, drank a whole bunch of coffee to get me uh, feeling a little bit better, more capable, and then after that I drove home. (laughs) So I got home and then I was excited because uh, on Saturday there was a big UFC night with a couple of title fights and I was uh, looking forward to watching those I knew that I was going to miss them because I was going to be camping but now that the camping got cut short I was going to be home to catch it to see the fights but given the fact that I was so tired from having not slept at all the night before I fell asleep at like seven in the in the evening uh, actually probably a little bit before that as well my wife woke me up and told me to go upstairs and I was just like all right I'm just gonna go upstairs and It was seven uh, when I got up from my initial nap, went upstairs to fall asleep, and I just kept sleeping till the next day in the morning, seven in the morning, so I slept like 12 hours straight, basically. So, missed the fights, but then in the morning, I just uh, found some replay links, watched those, and pretty good fights. Uh, I saw that uh, of the two title fights, the main one was between um, Charles Oliveira Against Islam Makhachev, and I, 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 was cheering for Oliveira, but Makhachev just freaking dominated him. Mad respect. He just he won by submission. I think it was a choke submission. Had an arm choke submission in the second round. It, he it was a pretty dominant win. So got to give it up to him. Freaking amazing performance. And then the other um, title fight was between. Algermain Sterling, Sterling and TJ Dillashaw. And that was a bit of a disappointing fight because um, TJ uh, had his uh, shoulder pop out in the middle of the fight. It was actually super weird to see that. Uh, yeah, the shoulder popped out in the first round. He survived it. And then in the period between the first and the second, his coach was actually able to pop it back in. But then it popped out again in the second round and uh, Aldermaine Sterling just... Um, finish the fight with ground and pound and punches to the face and TJ couldn't really defend himself given the fact that his one shoulder was completely busted and he couldn't really use it so it was a bit of a disappointing fight but you know still props to the guy for being able to finish the fight so anyways uh, finish off today's podcast by uh, talking a little bit about how uh, while I was uh, camping with my buddy As we're sitting around the fire, chit-chatting, telling stories and such, of course, the topic of Bitcoin pops up. Uh, Previously, him and I um, had, uh, and a bunch of other friends, of course, had played uh, poker and he was a winner. So I owed him 10 bucks and I had offered him to pay him in just regular $10 or if he wanted to, I would give him $10 worth of Bitcoin. He had accepted the Bitcoin. And so because of that, Uh, you know he has a little bit of interest in it so we're talking about it and you know he's still not really convinced in the true value of Bitcoin of course so you know he's asking me a lot of questions and I think ultimately we came to the conclusion that understanding the technicals of how Bitcoin works is not really all that important for him to see the value of it it's more philosophically he needs to understand what is money in order for him to see why Bitcoin is valuable so in order for that, like, there's a lot of questions back and forth for me, and I was able to answer a lot of them, but um, kind of as a way to uh, explain that a little bit further, I found a great little thread on Twitter that goes over this question of what is money that I'd like to read out to finish the podcast off today. Before we do that, though, let's go to bitbo.io and do a little bit of a Bitcoin update here, we're on block height, 759,994. The price of Bitcoin is trading at 19,201 US dollars. One US dollar will buy you 500, 5,208 Satoshis. Remember, Satoshis are the smallest subunit Bitcoin can be divided into one. Bitcoin can be subdivided 100 million times. Each 100, one, each 100 million, one of those is called a Satoshi And if you live in Canada and you'd like to buy some Bitcoin, I suggest using ShakePay. They're a great Canadian exchange. And in the description of the podcast, I have a referral link where if you use my link, you will get $10 reward for the first $100 of Bitcoin that you purchase. Anyways, let's get to the question of what is money. So I'm going to read this um, thread by a John Cantrell on Twitter. His Twitter account is at John Cantrell C A N T R E L L ninety seven nine seven. And here's what his thread has to say: To truly understand why we need Bitcoin, it's important to understand money itself. What is money? Why do we need it? And why Bitcoin? There's many books written on this topic, but let me try to break it down for you. Okay, let's see what you got to say, John. At the core of any economy are people who perform work that produces value for other people. A farmer grows food for us to eat. A painter creates art for us to enjoy. A mechanic fixes our car so we can travel. And a teacher educates our children so they can prosper. Without money, the mechanic can only eat if the farmer needs his car fixed. Each person needs to want what the other is producing at the same time. A teacher only needs their car fixed so often, but the mechanic needs his children educated all the time. In addition to having what each other wants at the same time, they need to value each thing roughly the same. This is very difficult to do in practice. How do we value fixing a car against a teacher educating children? There's not an easy way for them to trade. Money solves this problem by having something that can store the value being created by the worker to use at a later time and in amounts that make sense. So, what should we use as money? Well, some things are obviously not good choices. If we tried to use grains of sand as money, it would definitely help us keep track of how much value each person has and let us use amounts that make sense. However, there's no There's so much sand all over the earth that it is very easy for people to get sand for work they didn't do. If we try to use something like cars for money, we'd run into the problem that they are not easy to divide into the right amounts. We'd also see that not all cars are the same, and some people would value certain cars more than others. We can start to see what makes good money. Good money is divisible, so we can use exactly how much we want at a time. It is fungible, meaning each unit of money is no different than the other. It is limited in supply, in that people can't just go find more of it without doing the work first. And it's easy to carry around. We might settle on something like gold or other metal coins. These can be melted down and divided into specific sizes. Each coin can be made the same size and likeness. If we pick the right metal, there is fairly limited supply on earth. Coins are easy to carry around, metal coins are decent money and were historically used for these reasons. One of the problems is that while it's easy to carry around a small amount of coins, it's still difficult to carry, store or move large quantities of these coins. How can we make this easier? Let's introduce a trusted community member, example a bank, that will hold all of our coins and will give out paper money for each coin we store at the bank. This paper money is much easier to store and carry around. We can always redeem the paper at the bank for coins, right? This paper money appears to work well for a while. It introduces a big problem, though. There's a single trusted entity that is both creating the paper and holding all the coins. There's nothing stopping them from creating more paper than coins that they have. If they do this slow enough, then no one will notice... And they can create more paper and slowly give it to themselves, their friends, their family, and certain businesses. Everyone close to them loves it. When they see how easy, easily, they can print, they quickly get addicted to it. Before too long, the people who think they're storing the value produced from all their hard work in this paper money realize that the paper money is not getting them as much as it used to. It seems to be losing purchasing power. What once got the mechanic three bushels of corn from the farmer is now only getting him a single bushel. The more paper that is printed, the higher the prices of goods and services go, the more value the people doing the work are losing. This is a problem that Bitcoin solves. It is similar to the metal coins in that it's divisible, it's fungible, and limited in supply. However, it doesn't have the problem that metal coins have of being hard to carry to store and transport in large quantities bitcoin is digital money you can carry store and transport large amounts of it just as quickly and easily as you can small amounts it doesn't need a trusted party or a bank to hold it for you everyone can hold and transact the value they produced without anyone else all the value that hard work produces can safely be stored in bitcoin without the worry of some bank or government inflating the supply The supply schedule is known in advance and has a fixed total supply. It's the best form of money to ever exist. Yeah, these are all points that I hit on with my buddy. You know, I did go over the fact that like money used to be gold. Then we had paper representing the gold. Then the gold got taken away. Now we just have worthless paper. And, you know, it's fine and all if the paper is... Not printed ad infinitum, but that's not what happens. There's more paper being printed all the time. And even if it's only a 2% increase in supply, which is what they claim their goal is, it's not, it's way more than that. Even with just 2% increase in money supply every year in 30 plus years, I think it's 33 years, half of the purchasing power is lost. Meaning central banks who are the ones responsible for printing new money they steal half your money in 30-something years. That's just unacceptable. I'm sorry, it just is. <laughs> I'm not going to dwell on this too much longer than this because uh, not feeling all that great after that crappy night of <laughs> sleep out in the woods, and even though I did have a 12-hour sleep after that the next night, it's I'm still hurting a little bit. So with all that said, thank you very much all for listening. Please continue to share the podcast with friends and family. Please continue to write the podcast if you haven't done so. I love you all. Have a great weekend. As always, stay active. Be grateful. Jmart out.